The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, I am Matt Straub, welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we get underway, as always, a very brief reminder, if you could take a second to rate and review the show, if you haven't done that already, it's a big help to us, helps people find the show, etc. Today on the show, we are talking fantasy hoops headaches, and what exactly do you do with them? Ryan Knaus is here with me. Ryan, we're going to start with Mr. Kelly Oubre, and I'm going to sum up the Oubre experience in a nutshell. Saturday. Five points, not much else in 22 minutes. Frustration. Monday, 21 points, five rebounds, five threes, three blocks in 32 minutes. Game to game, it, that sums up. He's all over the place. What do you do with Ubre? Yeah, as someone uh, who owns Ubre in a couple leagues, this is a, I wouldn't say near and dear to my heart question, but I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm all too familiar with it. It's, I, think um, you're, I think what you mean to say is it hits too close to home, maybe. That's, that's a more appropriate. <laughs> uh, but this, I mean, his play is symptomatic of the Wizards as a whole, for one thing. They're, they've been all over the place. Um, but I, I'd almost rather see Ubre stick in his sixth man role. They tried to move him into the starting lineup. Didn't quite pan out. I think him playing alongside Wall and Beal, he doesn't quite get the usage and the touches that he needs to really feel and stay engaged. But when he's on his game, he's incredible. Defensively, his energy can turn games around for the Wizards. So I think it's, uh, you know, leading the second union is a great spot for him. But until he starts playing 25 per minutes every single game, you're going to get inconsistency because Coach Scott Brooks keeps benching him when his shot is off. Uh, you know, occasionally he'll play 18 minutes and that's just not going to get it done. So is this a situation where you, depending on the size of your league, just put him in there and are willing to accept the ugly games and take the good ones with the bad ones and the net result is decent? Yep. I think when you average out the, the peaks and troughs, he's he's, he's, he's going to be a 100, 120 kind of guy. So Peaks and troughs. I like that as opposed to, to valleys. Uh, all right. The next, uh, next man on the list is Kent Bazemore. Okay. For the season, he's been pretty solid. If you just look at the season numbers around a top 85 play. The numbers overall still look okay since he transitioned to the bench. The minutes were trending down, 19 on Monday. Now we get news that Torian Prince is out a few weeks at least with an ankle injury. So what's your outlook on Bazemore? What was your outlook before the injury? What's your revised outlook now? Yeah, so I think at worst he's a defensive stat specialist. Uh, he's been averaging 1.6 steals just around a block per game, 1.2 triples. So the only other players in the league hitting those marks this season are Marcus Gasol and Robert Covington. So he's kind of tailor-made for Roto, in other words. Deserves a spot on the team, even coming off the bench. But with Torian Prince out for a minimum of three weeks with a bone bruise and a sprained left ankle, he's, he's must-own. So make sure his owner didn't cut him. And by the way, Ryan, I should say, if any of these names, if I say them and you're like, no, that dude's not a headache, please tell me, because I... I, you know, I think that's important. I, I don't want to put it upon you that all of these people are headaches. I am posing that that they might be. So call me on these if you want to. All right, no conversation on headaches would be complete without talking about the Knicks. So we're going to get that out of the way right now. I want to focus on three players for the purposes of this discussion: Kevin Knox, Damian Dotson, Emmanuel Mudiay. They've been all over the place lately, 
as the Knicks have been all year. How do you rank those three going forward? Ooh, not a fan of any of them. I'll start there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Moutier in his previous three NBA seasons never was a top 200 player. That includes him playing over 30 minutes a game as a rookie with Denver, played nearly 26 minutes in his second season, just hasn't gotten it done. The good news is that his shooting has improved dramatically. He's at almost 47% this season. Previous career high was 38.9. So that's a that's a huge boost, but he's still not even helping most owners. So I'm a little bit leery. The only asterisk here is that um, Frank Intelikina is reportedly on the trade block. He's had two DMPs in a row, which has bumped Moutier up. He's played 36 minutes in two straight games. So the sheer volume of opportunity is enough that, you know, if I own a guy like Fred Van Vliet or Bryn Forbes, I'll cut them in a heartbeat and just hope that Moutier hits and playing 35 minutes a game. That's about all. But Kevin Knox, I want nothing to do with. Uh, rookie, the Knicks keep trying to play him at power forward. He's not a power forward yet. Um, he's just getting devoured, killing fantasy owners, shooting 34% from the field, poor at the free throw line, no supporting stats, doesn't even rebound well for a forward, so I'll leave him on the wire. And finally, Damian Dotson, he's on a bender right now. He's shooting 63% <laughs> yeah, he from the field, three and a half trays, one and a half steals in that span. So that's not going to last. Um, he's basic- I, I think if you view him as a low-end threes and steals guy, you'll be pretty satisfied, but you know, there's a spot for him in competitive nine cap, but um, I'd probably leave him on the wire in 14. All right. So you heard the summary there. Maybe maybe you can find a roster spot for Dotson Moutier. Ryan, staying away from Kevin Knox because of the rotten shooting. All right. As I've said before on the show, I have a little bit of a sneaker problem, you might say. And if you are wondering where to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves, the answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions of people are using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan and much more. One cool thing about StockX, I think, is it uses the same principles as the stock market to make buying and selling as safe and easy as possible. You get real-time market data for smart buying and selling. Also, and maybe best of all, StockX has taken out all the risk from buying and selling online. Total anonymity between the buyer and seller. Also, StockX is in the middle, so you never have to deal with a random buyer or seller again. StockX has experts who verify every item. So everything you buy, you know it's 100% authentic. You're buying shoes, you know what you're getting, what you wanted, in the condition you expect, and you will not get burned by fakes again. And also, this is not just for sneaker experts. There's a lot of stuff for the casual buyer too. There are definitely deals to be had on the site if you look around. And if you're like me and you're super impatient and you don't want to wait to see if a bid gets accepted, you can meet the buyer's asking price right then and there if you like the price, and then the item is yours. You don't have to wait. To check it out, go to StockX.com slash FantasyBB. That's StockX.com slash FantasyBB. StockX. Now you know. All right. Staying in the tri-state area, Alan Crabb is getting a ton of minutes for Brooklyn, not doing much of anything with them. Last five games, 7.4 points in 28 minutes. So the headache for me is that you may have a hard time dropping a guy when he's playing this much, and you may have a hard time keeping him on your bench when he's playing this much. Are you hanging on to Crab or, or tossing him to waivers? Uh, I'm I'm leaving him on waivers, or if if you own him, I'm I'm down to cut him. I mean, he as you said, he's finally hitting some three pointers again. But since Karis Levert went down, he's had a 15.5 percent usage. It's basically D'Angelo Russell all day for them. 
Uh, he's doing nothing. I mean, he hasn't even earned the shooting guard spot. They're really only playing him there because he's the highest paid player on the team at $18.5 million this season and next season. So they need him to get going. He's kind of like a theoretical catalyst for this offense. They need him to be able to drive past his man and do more than just sit in the corner and hit the occasional three. But it's not happening. I don't really see it happening. He doesn't give you supporting stats, so I'm not I'm not intrigued, really. So, so Crab doesn't even earn headache status because you, you're just letting him sit on waivers, not giving you a headache at all. I want to ask you now about Nerlens Noel. He's had a couple big games in a row. Last two, 13 points, seven and a half boards, two and a half steals, two blocks in just 18 minutes. Is this the start of something? Is this? Uh, is there anything that moves the needle here for you? Uh, and should we even consider adding Noel or just leave him on waivers as well? Uh, this is one I'll push back. I wouldn't call Nerland's Noel a headache. I think there have been plenty of reasons over the years, don't get me wrong, to to be upset with Noel. But his play this season isn't isn't one of them. You know, six points, he's not scoring a lot, but he shoots 66% from the field, f- over five boards, one steal, and 1.3 blocks. And he's only playing 14 minutes, Matt. So who you can't fault those numbers, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I'll be honest to tell you what happened here. I was going through, <laughs> looking at box scores and being like, who who of these guys who might be considered headaches? And then Noel's recent numbers kind of jumped out at me. So I tried to kind of shoehorn him into the headache discussion. I agree. Not really a headache. Yeah, I think if anything, his recent play just kind of highlights how well he's been doing. Um, hitting top 100 value with ridiculous permanent efficiency. So he's not very fun to own just because he's playing behind Steven Adams, who never misses games. But he's he's getting it done. Do you put any any stock into this recent little mini run that he's been on? No, his playing time is just so limited. I, I can't can't really expect him to do that uh, consistently. Okay, so let's not get overexcited on that one. Evan Fournier, career high in assists, around four per game. That's the good news. However, he's shooting a career low, around forty one percent. Has dropped to around one hundred thirtieth in nine category leagues. You know, that obviously puts him right on the line between being someone you'd start and someone who actually kind of gets into your lineup and maybe hurts your team. Where do you land on Fournier? If we could call this a slump, maybe let's talk about where you land on him going forward. Yeah, it's a long slump. Um, you know, we're <laughs> quarter of the way into the season, a little bit more. I've seen nothing to suggest that he's injured. I haven't looked enough into where his shots are coming from. Maybe it has to do with Coach Steve Clifford's new system. It's not quite getting him where he needs to be. But I'm a big believer. I mean, he's a 26-year-old. He's in his prime. And I'm a believer in people finding their way back more or less to their career average. So he's been off all year. He's at 41.4% from the field, a little over 29% from deep. Steals and dimes are up, as you mentioned. So, you know, you'll take that. That sort of balances things out. So I think owners have no choice but to just keep rolling them out there, hope that the shots fall eventually. And that's about it. I mean, if you want to try to tack them onto a two-for-one trade offer or something, God bless. Yeah, the the thing about Fournier is he does pop off for big lines periodically. It's not like he's just stringing together awful game, awful game after awful right. game. He's more like two bad ones, one good one, and so forth. So that's the headache part. All right, if you're looking for some more fantasy hoops action, you might want to consider heading over to draft.com. You can do daily fantasy basketball snake drafts instead of salary caps. You can also do auction drafts. These things take just a few minutes to finish. You'll have a new squad to follow in no time. Just draft it and you're set to go. Right now, they're offering a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. Just enter the promo code RW. Again, head over to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. All right, we're going to hit a few names from the Clippers here. We're going to start with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And I love this guy as a player. I would I would never outright call him a headache, but he has had some tumultuous times lately, a couple rough games in a row. 
Any concern here, or are these sort of just the topsy-turvy times we have to live through when we have rookie on our fantasy rosters? Yeah, if anything, for a rookie point guard, I think he's been shockingly consistent. Real steady, took over for Pat Beverly, hasn't looked back. Solid percentages, which is huge for a rookie point guard. Uh, Low turnovers, doesn't give you too many assists, but he actually almost blocked a shot per game in November. So sneaky blocks, uh, steal per game. A little over half a triple, some rebounds. I I find very little to complain about here, and a few yeah, a few rough games th- this past week, but they were tough matchups, and um, I, I like him going forward. I think he's solid. Well, and th- this leads to the second part of this, which is Avery Bradley. Obviously, he's been sort of unspeakably bad for in terms of fantasy most of the season. Suddenly, though, he is looking better, playing better. 16 points, 12 points, 15 points his last three games, throwing in some other stats as well, shooting it much better, looks much more like his vintage self. Is he more than just a drain on other players' value at this point, including SGA, or would you actually consider adding adding Bradley at this point? I'm finally inching toward adding him. Um, I, I still want to see a couple more games, but I watched the Clippers play a couple times this past week, and he, Bradley looked really good. I agree. Uh, yeah, and, and he you got to keep in mind, he hadn't played a regular season game since February 14th last season. And in the previous year, he had 27 DMPs due to injury. So it's understandable that he'd have a very slow start to the year like he did. But he scored 12-plus points in three straight games. Um, you know, his defensive stats are picking up, which which is another great sign. He's blocking shots, getting steals. So I'll, I'll say this. I'll buy into him as, as a resurgent player. I think he's a fine pickup. Do I expect him to stay healthy? Not at all. Now, my question, though, or one more question I want to pile into this is, do you think, obviously, they play different positions, but do you think anything about Bradley's resurgence and him earning more minutes has anything to do with SGA having his minutes in the mid-20s the last couple of games and therefore having quiet nights? I think there's probably something to that, but they they play different enough games that they can coexist. Uh, I think if anyone gets hurt here probably a little bit more Avery Bradley, but the Clippers play at such a fast pace. I think they score the second most points in the league. There's a lot of touches to go around, a lot of, a lot of buckets to go around. So I mean, the real issue for for Avery was he just wasn't making his shots. So it's not so much that he's getting increased volume. He's just making them. So I'm not, no, I'm not too worried about his impact on SGA. I need to take the Kelly Oubre approach here and stop living and dying with the day-to-day operations of SGA and just accept the net (laughs) net result. Uh, While we're in LA, real quick, I want to get your take on Lou Williams. Obviously, he's been up and down, has mostly shot it badly this year. He's had some flashes lately of improvement. Where are you at on Lou? Uh, more sour Lou than sweet this year. I guess, oh, baby. He's he's I, I didn't expect him to approach last year's career best numbers. So I'll say that my expectations were lower than most. But the Clippers just have more weapons this season. I mean, we just talked about two of them in the backcourt alone. Guys who can handle the ball down the stretch and Tobias and Gallo. They needed a clutch free throw shooter at the end of a game a couple days ago. And they gave it to Tobias, who shot I think he's at 88% this season, 92 on the road. Gallo's shooting 94% from the line. So it's not all Lou all the time in the clutch. Uh, his minutes are down nearly seven per game, and that's the real key to his drop-off. So I don't expect him to bounce back. Yeah, Lou hovering around Fournier territory in terms of overall value, nine-category leagues around 125. I do think if we see something like Beverly get hurt, then Lou has a chance to take off, uh, maybe get five extra minutes a game or something like that. The last 10 games, these are the minute totals for one Stanley Johnson. You ready for this? Here we go. 24, 17, 22, 14, 
26, 15. 25, 28, 19. 23, 14. I tried to put inflection on those. Yeah, that's reflect. good voice acting. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, he's actually producing well overall. Again, net value is okay given all of that. What do you do with Stanley Johnson? Are you are you uh, riding this roller coaster? Or are you out on this one? Mm, it's tough. Um, I own him in a thirty team league, and obviously you just you just ride or die with him there. But I think I'm in that thirty team league. You are I'm indeed. Guessing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I'm still avoiding him in 12-team. He, he's hitting value. I think he's almost top 100 over the past two or three weeks. But that's because he's shooting 45% from the field. I'm not really buying that. He's taking a lot of three-pointers. So I think that's going to eventually drag down his already sketchy percentages. So I, I think his ceiling is also right around top 100. So I'm not going to cut anyone with value just in the hopes that he keeps it up. Yeah, I mean, he's a gem in a 30 in in the 30 deep league, maybe in like a 14 16 team league. He's a pretty nice pickup, but in a shallower league, I think you can do better. Maybe that's the case for this next headache. Nicholas Batum, since the start of November, his last 15 games, he's averaging 8.1 points per game, and he's actually shooting well, 46.6% from the field. This is maddening, I think, even by Batum standards. Ryan, help the people out here. What do we do? I wish I could help. This is <laughs> Of all the players we've mentioned, I think this guy has been the most maddening for me. Batum, he just hasn't been a big focal point for Coach James Borrego's offense. He's taken double-digit shots twice since the start of November, which is terrible. Uh, he hasn't had more than <laughs> five five assists in a game in, in a month. So those two things are just corrosive for his fantasy value. There's not much he can do to get around that. Um, extremely low usage. He's clinging to low-end value, but it's a case of, like, you know, I and probably you have fond memories of Batum as a top 40 player. Oh, absolutely. He's not that guy anymore. <laughs> so I, I've had to accept reality. Uh, I'm still holding on to him just because, as I said, he's a low-end roto value. He's got some, he still has upsides, but he has no trade value. So either cut it, you know, if your team is stacked or you're in a shallower league, maybe think about cutting him. But otherwise, I think you, you have no choice but to just hold him and and hope for the best. Batum now on the short list of people to be in the photo on the cover of this uh, podcast there you go. article. So that you have that. That's, I guess that's, well, that's a bad thing. Andrew Wiggins is next on the list. I'm going to give you two sets of numbers. Set number one is Wiggins' first 12 games of the season. 17.7 points, 1.8 steals, 0.7 blocks, 2.3 trays, 41% from the field pretty good for Wiggins like if he's getting almost two steals two threes and nearly a block a game I think we all could live with that even with low 40s shooting now I'm going to give you the second set of numbers his last eight games 11.3 points 0.8 steals 0.6 blocks 1.1 threes 31.5 percent shooting which is the real Wiggins which can we uh, what uh, help what do we what do we do (laughs) Ah, honestly, I I think the first set of numbers you gave is closer to the real Wiggins. Oh, good. I, I hope. I mean, I was among the people expecting, oh, Jimmy Butler left. You know, now this is going to be Cat and Wiggins teams. He's going to he might not shoot a high percentage, but he's going to have unlimited shot attempts. Points leagues owners will be thrilled. I drafted Wiggins in a couple points leagues for that exact reason. I figured, well, Jimmy's definitely going to get traded. He'll be unleashed at some point. Right. And what's actually happened is is the polar opposite. It's crazy. And I, I don't know. I don't watch every single Wolves game. There are, there are 
keener observers than I when it comes to what's ailing him. But what I do see is him just settling for shots, takes a ton of mid-range jumpers. He's shooting under 21% on mid-range shots this year, which is appalling. Um, right. His lack of effort on plays is so obvious. It doesn't even raise eyebrows. You're just like, yeah, that's Wiggins. And then every once in a while, he'll do something like he'll make an off-ball cut uh, and get some baseline dunk. And you're, you just kind of shake your head because you're like, do that every play. He has the athleticism. It's... It's crazy, and it's so glaring, especially playing alongside a guy like Robert Covington, who hustles, you know, every single possession. It makes it stand out even more. Um, I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but it, Wiggins drives me mad. So, <laughs> I'm uh, glad. I, I, yeah, the goal was to strike a nerve here with a few of these. So yeah, that's working. <laughs> <laughs> but Wiggins, I, I think inevitably he has to get. I mean, the opportunity is just too ripe. He can't keep shooting 31% from the field. Um, so I think he's going to bounce back, be closer to a 16, 18 point a game guy. Yeah, I, I read a really good art, uh, story in The Ringer about Wiggins, and it was highlighting some of those same points you're making of just like, you know, this he, he's sort of like playing like he's asleep at times on the court, like just something, something's got to click back in and, and wake him back up. Cause it's he, not he can, new, though. This has been his whole career in a nutshell. No, de- yeah, definitely not. But uh yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't sell low unless you're you're bringing in another nice asset in a trade. Right. But uh, I, I can understand also if you just gotta if you just gotta get out of this one. Um, I I retweeted that uh, that Ringer article, so check it out on my Twitter if you want to. Next stop, Dallas, where I have three words for you, and you could probably guess what they are: Dennis Smith Jr. What do you do if you drafted DSJ hoping for an improvement and you didn't get it? Ooh, um, because people, I think people did right. Like, I think people are thinking yep. last year's flaws are something that this guy could fix, and I still think he could. I don't yep. think it's happening this year. So, I wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't have any shares of DSJ except in one league where I just picked him up two days ago off waivers when someone cut him. Okay, and that's about as far as I'll go for him. Um, the, the old fresh start. The old fresh yeah, start. <laughs> um, but I, I, I did buy in a little bit to the idea that Luca being in town would create easier shots, take pressure off DSJ, and therefore increase his percentages, which to some extent has happened. He went from under forty percent shooting to nearly forty four percent, which is great. But his free throw percentage has actually gone down to sixty seven. And he's averaging this year 3.2 turnovers versus 3.9 assists. Yeah, that's not good. Where, where his turnovers are up and his assists are significantly down. So, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's been a, a bit of a seesaw for him statistically. I'm not super inclined to think that he's going to figure it out midseason and, and begin shooting 45% and 75%. So I, I think, sadly, what you see is what you're going to get. What do you do? I mean, if he... he if you didn't just pick him up and you, you know, mm-hmm. you, if you've had him all season, is he someone you would cut for a hot free agent in a shallow league or is that going uh, too far? A guy like DSJ, I think has, has enough cachet in people's minds. And there, there's always that unknown upside factor. That's why you drafted him. There's the excitement of what if, you know? So I would float this guy to every single owner in my league. See what you get back. If, if everyone shoots you down, then, you know, consider your options on the waiver wire. But in in the meantime, I would I'd try to see what he can bring back in trades. Maybe he could bring back an Andrew Wiggins in a trade. Oh, if you trade <laughs> one, any of these guys for the other, you're just <laughs> yeah. But it's that it's that it's that starting over thing. You can if you haven't had Wiggins on any of your teams all season. Yeah, you might you not have... be frustrated. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. Exactly, and maybe you catch a hot streak. 
All right. The last name we're going to hit right now is Derek White. He obviously let us down at first. Um, well, actually, at first, when he came back, he looked pretty good. Then it kind of fell apart. Now he's coming back to life to some extent. Ten and a half points, five boards, seven and a half assists, 1.03s in his last two games. That was heading into Tuesday night. Is he just setting us up for more disappointment, or do you think this latest streak is for real and maybe something to hang on to? Uh, I'm going to grab him. I'm, I picked him up in a couple leagues after his first big game. He's now played 33 minutes in two straight. That's reason enough. You know, the, the point guard job was his to lose coming into the season. It was only injury that derailed him. He's looked really quick the past two games. Pops even commented on how fast he looks. Uh, he's, he's healthy. He's hitting some threes. He's averaged five boards and seven and a half dimes the past two games. You're not going to get much better than that off the waiver wire. So, yeah, I'm in and uh, grab him while you can. All right, there you have it, Ryan. What do you have coming up this week in terms of writing? I was debating doing a couple different columns, and I think the fact that we talked about all this inconsistency cinched it for me. I'm going to be writing about uh, volatility and and so how consistent players are from game to game by comparing game logs um, for every player throughout the year. And that will be out on? Wednesday. Wednesday, which is convenient because that's when this episode drops. Guys out there, if we left out any names if there are some glaring headaches that have been driving you crazy that we didn't mention hit us on twitter i am at matt straup s-t-r-o-u-p ryan is at knaus k-n-a-u-s underscore r-w that's knaus underscore r-w i think that's it all right i'm gonna go pop an advil i'll see you later (laughs) thanks ryan Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.